Are you ready? Now back to Heatway Sports. All right, guys. Hour number two, Heatwave Sports. Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com. Chris Wynn sitting in for hour number two. Tim Unglesby is off tonight. We'll be back next week. This is Heatwave Sports, everybody. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. It's at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. And 876-1340 gets you into the show. Give us a call. 876-1340. want to talk a little bit about Major League Baseball uh, and we're, we are going to give out our midseason sort of awards, even though it's a little bit past midseason. But uh, me and Chris are going to give out our midseason awards. And I don't think they're going to be what you think they might be in some instances. So we'll talk about that. But I want to talk about this All-Star game. And it's not just this All-Star game. It's kind of all All-Star games. And the All-Star game weekend, by the way, which now is taking place in the middle of the week. Look, I like it. I like it for personal reasons. My birthday is always right around the time. I always get, you know, three days where I don't really have to do a a whole ton of uh, work, even though I'm on the radio every single day. (laughs) I I don't have to uh, go and do the in-depth research. I actually can take a day off here or there. So I like it, but it's also just gotten to a point of ridiculousness and maybe it was always ridiculous and maybe every year I feel like it just gets a little bit worse year after year and nothing will ever change you could you could say that sure but let's talk about what the all-star game has become and is and is being pushed it's not fun anymore you know you can shove the home run derby down my throat all you want and you will eventually have epic moments. Josh Hamilton, everyone will remember what he did at Yankee Stadium, sure. You'll have epic moments here and there about a home run derby. But by and large, if I asked you without using Google, hey, who won the 2018 home run derby? You're not going to remember. Who, who, who won 2017? You're not going to remember. The moments are very far and few between. But I'm not going to bash the home run derby. All right, okay. I could I could suck it up and go, sure. But how much of a farce is it going to be this year? They moved the game to Colorado, which was ridiculous in its own right. Um, but put that aside. They've said that they will not use the humidor in Colorado. So they're not going to do that. It, we know from past experiences, we know 100%. I've had more than one big-time guest tell me that during the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game weekend, they intentionally tighten the ball up a little bit more because they want those big, booming, soaring home runs and those crazy distances. And now it's in Colorado. So it's manufactured to me. It's fake now to me. And the Home Run Derby, I guess, you know what? It's a little fun. It's, it's kind of like the slam dunk contest. Every now and then, you still might look up and you still might get a moment. But by and large... It's lost its appetite for me. And then you move on to the All-Star game itself, which is completely, completely ridiculous. They're not even wearing you. One of the coolest things about the All-Star game is watching all the different uniforms out there kind of, you know, colliding with each other. Now they're wearing the same uniforms. It's this weird purple mix thing that will probably make your eyes bleed. It's a disaster. 
Everything about this All-Star game is a disaster. Seven Astros were chosen to go to the game. Seven Astros found an excuse to miss the game. Seven. We are not getting a display of anything more than, all right, you know what, here's the ball, try to hit it kind of thing. Don't tell me it counts. Don't tell me guys care. No. We have more guys opting out than we do playing. Seven Astros opted out or found an excuse or they're not playing. Last year, we had almost half, or two years ago, almost half of the roster on, I think it was the America League team, all decided not to play. Is this a real all-star game, guys? No, it's not. It just isn't that anymore. And if you want to have all-star selections, well, that's fine. But we got to find something else, some other way to make this sort of credible. I know that the Pro Bowl was a train wreck, and they tried to do things to fix it. They still haven't. But Major League Baseball doesn't have a skills competition. That's something I like about hockey, something a lot of people like about the NBA. I would replace the All-Star Game with a skills competition tomorrow because this is all fake. It's all manufactured. It's fake making believe that it counts. It's fake making believe the players want to be there because they don't. It's fake, 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 Chris. I want to respond first by saying this, and I absolutely agree with you that Major League Baseball's all-star game and the weekend has simply lost its luster. It's just not the same as it used to be. You talked about the uniforms colliding. That is one of the main things I remember as a kid growing up in Michigan, watching the all-star game, getting a chance to see whatever home stadium that the game was being played in, those teams in that league were wearing their home uniforms. The team that was on the road, you know, the, the league that was on the road was wearing the road uniforms. That was a cool aspect of the game. The All-Star game also, back in the day, and when I'm talking about, you know, 15, 20 years ago and beyond, it, it just had more meaning. The players cared more about it. And they just don't anymore. It's not, it just, it doesn't have the same luster that it used to have. What's good about the All-Star Game, though, Tommy, is this, is the moments, right? It's the moments. And we, you talked about the Home Run Derby. Look, the Home Run Derby, it's a, it's, you know, it's a physical spectacle. It's a chance for us, you know, average Joes and average Janes to see baseball players out there hitting bombs all over the place. Yes, you pointed it out. I don't know who won the 2017 Home Run Derby. But you remember, as a baseball fan, what do you do? Remember moments. You remember the Josh Hamilton year right where he goes off and just hits bombs left and right you remember other you know you remember prince fielder you remember these other situations and for me that's what you know that's what the all-star weekend and the all-star game in major league baseball is about it's about the moments it's about vlad guerrero senior tweeting out you know when you were a little kid you used to go with me to the all-star game today you become the youngest player ever to lead the major leagues in all-star voting i'm a proud dad and it's got a picture of, you know, Vlad Sr. with Vlad Jr. there at the All-Star game as they're sitting there watching the Home Run Derby. To me, that's what it's about. Now, you brought up how significant it should be and, you know, about the competition and what and should it mean something. I disagree with you there, Tommy. I don't think it should mean anything. It's an no, All-Star game. I don't game. want it to mean something, but, yeah. don't, but don't tell me that it does. I mean, they're trying to, oh, it means something. No, it doesn't. Come on. Well, they're not telling you that because that you know, I mean I don't because you're you're a smart guy you can figure out what exactly it means it doesn't mean anything you know 
they tried to make it mean something by having it connected to whether or not you're going to have home field in the World Series, whichever league that, you know, that you're playing in, if you win the game, that didn't make any sense because it doesn't make any sense. What difference does it make when you when you, you get a collection of players, okay, who happen to be the best players that year or are perceived to be the best players or just players that aren't injured that, you know, you got to bring up at least one player from every team. But you put a, you put a bunch of players together in a midsummer classic, you play one game and you decide who gets home field advantage in a World Series, you know, that that's just, to me, that's beyond preposterous. I don't know why they even thought about doing that. But they did do that for a few years. Now they stopped doing it. But just just treat it for what it is. It's a it's an exhibition game, but you get a chance to see, you know, you get to see your favorite players on display, and you get to see, you know, if you're a Tigers fan, and one day we get a legitimate Hall of, you know, a legitimate All Star, you know, that we can we can get a chance to see that guy play with all the greats of that era, and that's what it, what it meant to me when I was growing up when I was watching the All Star game. It was about getting a chance to see, you know. Uh, you know, the great players like Reggie Jackson, for example, play with Lou Whitaker or Alan Tram will get a chance to play, you know, with 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 Don Mattingly. Like it's just it's it's like, like super cool kind of aspect to it that I think meant more back in the day than it does now. But I can't you know really why, explain though, it, but, but, but that's Chris, just the way it is. Yeah. No, but there is an explanation for it. I, there is one. Mm-hmm. It's because of interleague play. With it, you know that that it just ruined it. It ruined everything. It ruined the idea. It ruined the novelty. Everyone's friends with everyone, hanging out. There's no. I used to go. Oh man, this is going to be amazing. He's going to face him. You know, American League guy from a national. And that was that was just mind-boggling. Now doesn't matter. Oh yeah, he faced him three days ago. Actually, I can absolutely agree with that, Tommy. And and you're you're 100 right. I think it has taken some of the. Uh, of of the of the gloss off the All Star game because we have interleague play, and you know yeah you don't have that novelty and you, you make a great point by the way saying that uh, you know you're gonna have team you're gonna have the National League playing against the American League coming up in the All Star game and some of these guys are from different leagues and they just play the series against each other this last weekend so it's just like it it does kind of it does kind of screw it in that way. But uh, you know, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you do fix it. I don't know if there is a way to fix it. I think it's just a matter of, you know. And you talked about, you know, the, the players. Some players wanting to play. Some players finding a way to bow out. It's much like the NFL's Pro Bowl, right? It, the Pro Bowl has become a mockery now because it's not. It's it's like the it's like the third or fourth guy that ends up playing in the game that gets just decided, you know, two days before the game played because. There's three other people that are injured, or that say they have a hangnail and they don't want to. They don't want to play in the game, so it ends up being, you know, it's not even a true all-star game. It's just it's, it's it ends up being the honorable mentions that end up playing in the game, and that's not what you want if you're Major League Baseball with an all-star weekend. Here, here's what I give you for the all-star game. You want a replacement because if we're gonna get rid of yep. something, we gotta replace it. Here's what mm-hmm. I do. All right, Tim, give me the best futures players. Okay taking on one team of the best players in major leagues. That'll be a fun game. Listen, major league players are probably going to win, but at least you you get an idea of, oh, that would be kind of cool, futures against that. Or something that I heard a couple of years ago. All right, take take a, a, a league where everybody over 30, give me the all-stars over 30, all-stars under 30. That would be different too. Give me something different. Because there was a time where watching Jacob deGrom 
pitch to Aaron Judge would have been awesome. Oh my goodness, this never happens. But I've see, I see it nine times a year. You know what I mean? He's getting nine at bats against him now. It, it just give me something new. And what about a skills competition? Look, we can't have throw the fastest fastball. That's not going to happen because guys are going to throw their arms out. But I want to see who the fastest player is. I think that would be a cool competition. I want to see who could throw the biggest hook curve, right? Get the biggest curve down. Who, you know, what about a catcher? Catcher throwing it out, throwing a guy out. Pinpoint accuracy at second base. Give me, give me targets at second base. I'm watching this, Tim. How about uh, you know a, a right fielder throwing it and trying to hit it out like a garbage can sitting at third base, right? Get it into the pan. Give me these these things. At least it's something I've never seen before. I'm watching something unique, something different. What we have this weekend or this week, it's just a it's a forced fake farce. I'm I'm on board with you on some of those ideas. This this kind of, I got I got to admit, Tommy, a little bit of a carnival slash circus atmosphere you got going there with uh, you know some of the ideas regarding uh, the competitions and uh, and uh, and it creates a lot of interesting scenarios. Let's put it that way. Regarding what uh, you know, the Major League Baseball All Stars would have to do. You talked about uh, you know the young players going up against the veterans and that. What uh, the NBA kind of did that, right? They used they had that basically what uh, five, six, seven year period where they had the rookies go up against the second year players in the NBA. So you got to kind of you got you get those. That was kind of along the line, the same lines there. But but getting back to the novelty portion of of the Major League Baseball All Star Game, Tommy, when you and I were growing up. Okay, me specifically back in, you know, the early 1983, 1984, it was a special thing to get a chance to see a New York Met go against a New York Yankee, to get a chance to see a Detroit Tiger go up against a a Cincinnati Reds. And don't give me this whole, you know, spring training. Well, you got all the teams that are, you know, it doesn't they're all mixed in. Do you get a chance to spring training? No. This is something different. It's the middle of the season, and it was super cool, Tommy, and I think you'll agree with me, to get an opportunity to see guys from the National League teams go up against guys from the American League teams, and it was the best of the best, and it was all the best players, right? There wasn't this situation where, you know, uh, yeah, did they have a, a, a deal where every player had a representative? Yes, they did, okay? But it was also, like, it, it, I don't know. Maybe it's just my, you know, me shouting at the rain. Maybe it's me being old guy, you know, thinking about the, the grand old days of the game. But it just seemed like it meant more back in the day. And then it was just it was just more cool to see that match. And, and, and now that we have interleague play, and now that you, as, as you mentioned, the relationships have changed with the young athlete of today, it just, it's just not the same. It's just simply not the same. No, it's definitely not. All right, Chris, let's turn the page, get off of the All-Star game, and let's talk about the midway points, right? Because right. we are uh, past the midway point. Um, we, I would like to give out some, some good awards here. Let's uh, go talk about the awards. And I know, I know your opinion here, which is very interesting because I got to tell you, I, I don't agree. You had just said to me, um, you know what, Tom? I, I think the MVP talk is kind of done, right? I don't think so. So let's start right there, and let's have yep. a conversation. Your American League MVP at the half. Well, it's no question in my mind. It's Shoney Otani. We're talking about a guy 
you know, whose exploits on both sides of the plate are pretty much ridiculous right about now. He leads Major League Baseball in home runs. He has the highest slugging percentage in, in the American League. And, oh, by the way, he also has a 2.58 ERA with 82 strikeouts uh, coming into play last week. So we're talking about somebody, and from a betting standpoint, Tommy, obviously your handicapper, you know, his odds shortened. The guy was plus 120. Now he's minus 130 in just the last month, okay? Now, the, the guy closest to him, obviously, would probably be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. This is somebody who went from plus 300 down to plus 110. He's hitting 344 with 26 bombs and, you know, has a war over four. And, you know, it's it's he and he's the closest guy. But, I mean, the betting odds are just crazy. I mean, you're talking about, uh, you look at Shoney Otani right now, he's minus 130, Guerrero plus 110. Everybody else is in the 2000s plus. On the plus side, you know, if you're going to look at some of these other people, whether it's Bogarts, whether it's Trout, whether it's Martinez, whether it's Simeon, whether it's Drudge, you know, Alvarez, across, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. So, to me, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, I, look, we're talking about we're in the middle of, Ju- of July here, and you could use the adage anything can happen, but I think it's, it's got to be Otani right now, right? That's the front runner when it comes to the MVP in the American League. Well, I'll tell you, I had uh, on Sports Garden Network, you guys go check it out, uh, it's Wagering Week is podcast, I had Jay Paris on. Jay Paris wrote the book on Shohei Otani. I've had him on um, before last year, and I had him on uh, before this year as well. So I've had him on a couple of times, and he wrote he wrote the book. He followed him around. It, 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 the preeminent Shohei Otani, um, a writer in the country, we had this conversation. And I said, I want to tell you something. Shohei's winning it today, but I'm betting on Vlad. And... My midseason award is going to Shohei, but I'm betting on Vlad because mm-hmm. I just look at fatigue for everyone as be having to be a factor here. Okay, they didn't play a full season last year. We're talking about two years removed, really. It, fatigue has to be a problem, and they're now saying, okay, well, not only is it a problem, but Shohei didn't have a 2018 shortened or 2019 had a shortened 2020. Now he's doing both. It's the first time he's done both in about three years to this. You're talking about three or four years, even going back, where he's actually done both to this workload. Yeah, I think fatigue is going to set in. And if you have somebody legitimately chasing a triple crown, which Vlad is going to, he's still playing all his games in a band box up in Buffalo. Yeah, that's that's something to keep in mind. So I'm going to give it to Otani. Yes, I agree with you. But if I'm making a bet, I'm taking Vlad. But I don't have to because I gave out Vlad on the air here before the year began. So <laughs> I don't have to do that. What about National League? So National League, now this, this is where it's going to get interesting because you and Tim have talked about this before regarding, uh, you know, uh, regarding a certain position getting MVP votes, right, and end up in the MVP conversation. Now, right now, come on. It's got to be Jacob DeGrom right now. Uh, I think he's sitting at plus 125, somewhere in that neighborhood regarding from a betting angle. But, uh, I mean, the guy is just absolutely absurd. He's, he's ERA under one. The guy, you know, he had in five of his June starts, Tommy, you're well aware of this, I'm sure. The guy's ERA was .67. And he had he had almost 13 strikeouts a game. And his total ERA, you know, for his first 13 starts was was under, under seven. Under point, excuse me, under point seven. All right, now, I mean, it's just it's just completely ridiculous. Now we haven't had an MVP 
uh, since I believe Clayton Kershaw back in 2014. I think he was the last MVP as a pitcher in either league. And then before that, it was Justin Verlander in 2011. And then before that, it was like 20 years before that. I think it was Eckersley back in the 90s. The point being is that it's a pitcher, so there's going to be naysayers. You know, people are like, oh, really, dude? We're gonna, you're going to give a Cy Young and an MVP to a guy. But I think Jacob deGrom absolutely makes the case that he should be one of those guys. And as we sit right now, regardless of if you want to mention Fernando Tatis Jr., if you want to talk about, you know, preseason odds where you had, you know, the likes of obviously Freddie Freeman, you know, last year's winner, you had Ronald Acuna Jr., you had Cody Bellinger, you had uh, you know, some other names that are in the mix, Nolan Alonado, others as well, Francisco Lindor. But you have you have other you have other guys that uh, and I'll be I'll be interested to say the least to hear your opinion on this because Tommy, you're very good, and I and I love this about you is that you'll find a way to work in some and and you'll make a case for someone like a Mookie Betts or someone else, right? So I want to hear this, but in my, in my mind, it's Jacob Degrom as the MVP right now in the National League. I'm going to make a case, but but before I do, let me say I got Jacob Degrom right now. I do have Degrom, even though his ERA has doubled in the last four starts. Yes, right, it's doubled. From 0. .50 to 1.09, right? It's ridiculous, yeah. but it has. I actually just wrote, I, I, I write an article every week for the, the newspaper out here in New York, and I just wrote an article, and I, it, it's coming out on Tuesday, and my article says, uh, Jacob DeGrom is the MVP today, but he's not winning the award. Because to expect Jacob DeGrom to do historic things that no one's done ever for a second half, no one did it in the first half. It's just unreal. It's an unrealistic expectation. Ronald Acuna went down today. And Ronald Acuna was one of those guys that, I'm sorry, he had to be in the running. Now, everyone's looking at Fernando Tatis. And he's flashy and he's good. But the reality is Fernando Tatis is a terrible defensive player. Forget about all the jumping and leaping and the highlight reel stuff. He leads the NL in shortstop errors. Okay? He leads the NL in errors. Um, he's a bad defensive player. He is also a guy that, yes, his numbers on surface are some eye-popping numbers, right? You look at a guy like Fernando Tatis and you go, all right, that's who I want to go put my money on. And, and hold on, 28 home runs, awesome. Guy's batting 285. He's got 20 bombs. He, he's going to finish with a, a bunch of runs, a good number of RBIs. Will the writers vote for a third, a, a star of course but will they vote for a player on a third place team who doesn't bat 300 who is a bad defensive player or can I make a case for Nick Castellanos Nick Castellanos whose team might win the division right now they're in second place four games back whose team might win the division who is the clear absolute clear best player on his team he's got a 331 average. He's got 18 bombs. He's got, uh, you know, forget about the steals. He's going to finish with probably a little bit less runs than Tatis, probably a little bit more RBIs than him. So would you give up at the end of the year if Fernando Tatis is sitting back and you have Fernando Tatis, let's, let's just say, you know, he's sitting there and he gets, uh, you know, 40 home runs to Castellanos gets 30 some. 10 home runs, but 50 points in batting average, and I know we don't care about batting average anymore, but you can't overlook a guy 
that is going to put up the numbers of 30 to 35 home runs, 331 average, a leading uh, 120 runs, 120 RBS. I mean, these are MVP numbers for a guy that, oh, by the way, his team might win the division. I'm not making a huge case here because, like I said, I think it's DeGrom's right now. But if you want to, you're a betting man and you're looking at somebody, Nick Castellanos is the guy that I'm going to say, you know what, there's some value there. Let me throw this at you, Tommy, because you bring up Nick Castellanos, who obviously I'm a, he's an ex-Tiger, so I'm a big fan of his. But does it cause an issue that he has Jesse Winkler on his team there in Cincinnati? I'm not talking about siphoning off votes. I'm just talking about uh, is there is there any you know is there any mindset I guess from those that are voting out there for the the fact that you've got a guy that's right there with him, you know, basically odds wise. And uh, is has been basically shooting up the board as far as the National League MVP candidates concerned. Well, maybe, but here's the thing: if you're going to vote for somebody in Cincinnati, uh, Castellanos mm-hmm. has more runs, about the same home runs, more RBIs, and, and 30 points higher in batting average. And Winker's having a nice year, but that would be like me saying, and and look, the guy's now an All Star. That would be like me bringing up Manny Machado for Tatis. Look, there's right. Machado's having a very good year. 60 RBIs. He's got more RBIs. He's going to have just about the same amount of runs. You know, um, he's even got nine steals. I mean, Machado is very well could go 30-20 this year. But I don't think he's going to siphon enough votes off, no. All right, what about it, Cy Young? I don't think we have to go too deep into the National League. It's DeGrom, DeGrom, DeGrom. But if you want a dark horse, you know, Kevin Gaussman has to be uh, brought up. I know the, kid, the two in Milwaukee everyone's looking at. But don't overlook uh, Kevin Gaussman as well. But it's the Grom's trophy, right? No, no, there's no question about it. Yeah, it's not. It's not really much use even discussing it because the numbers are astronomically low, meaning his ERA and uh, the probability that he won't win the Cy Young is astronomically low. So, yeah, I would probably absolutely uh, lean in that direction. All right. Well, what about the American League? Because I think this could get interesting. I have money on. I took before the year. Garrett Cole to win the Cy Young, and I, I said at the time, there's really only very small competition. I think maybe, uh, I thought maybe a Giolito would be in that. Shane Bieber, you know, might be in that kind of mix. And I'm looking at it now, and I'm going, it, it, to me, this is kind of Lance Lynn's to win. I, and I'm having a hard time with that, right? I mean, we're not giving it to Kyle Gibson. Carlos Rodon's had a nice year, but he's not my guy. Uh, where where else are we going with this award? Garrett Cole probably going to shoot up the boards here, and he's looked good. Uh, you know, 126 pitch performance. He looked good there, but there's nobody jumping out at me. Is this Lance Lynn's to win? I think it absolutely is, Tommy. Because think about this. Obviously, Lance Lynn missed a few starts, right, for the White Sox, but the guy. Is, is just unreal. He's got the one, what, what, what uh, ERA under 1.4, yeah, you know, in, in basically nine innings. It deserves a lot of attention. You're talking about, th- look, this is a season where everyone's striking out everybody, okay? And Shane Beaver is, is probably going to run away, right, with the strikeout title in Cleveland. You, you mentioned Rondon of the White Sox, you're, and, and I would also throw a guy like maybe Means from the Orioles in there because you're talking about two guys who both have no hitters, they're both their ERAs are floating around too, so you're, they're going to be in the mix. I mean, it's but yeah, but yeah. To me, right now, if you're asking me flat out, 
I say it's Derek Cole. I mean, excuse me, Garrett Cole. Uh, look, he doesn't have a no-no, which it seems like everybody in Major League Baseball does this year. But you got an ERA like that under two. You're, you know, you know, a two months into the season, and you got a, you know, twelve point four K nine per nine innings. Uh, right now, he's the guy, in my opinion. So I think, I think it is. I think it's Garrett Cole right now for the Yankees. All right, let's go to Manager of the Year, and then we're going to take a quick timeout. I want to talk about some teams on the other side. Manager of the Year, look. Everyone's going to point, uh, point to Boston. Well, you know what? Boston's got plenty of talent. And people are going to go, well, you know what? How do you not give it to the White Sox? Uh, Leland, I get it, but they're talent-laden. Uh, Baker and Houston, all right, go ahead. Nope. I'm giving it to Scott Service of the Seattle Mariners. Look, he's got this team five games over 500. You don't even know who's starting a, a game for them. They have rookies coming up, coming down. People are injured. He lost Kyle Lewis this year, who was supposed to be the fixture in the middle. Jared Kelnick comes up, the big prospect. Here we go. He's so bad. He goes like one for 22. They had to send him back down. He lost Graveman, his closer. Seattle has impressed me more than any team in baseball. I'm giving it to their manager. And in the National League, a lot of the same things that I said about Nick Castellanos, I could say about his manager, David Bell. Cincinnati shouldn't be in this race. Cincinnati shouldn't be here. They, they are in a, a bad spot in a tough division. They have guys that have uh, you know not performed well in all kinds of situations. Their ace, Luis Castillo, couldn't find himself. They jettisoned their closer before the year. David Bell and Scott Service are my managers of the year right now at the half. I like the Scott Service pick. He was actually picked, you know, before the season started, back like what four months ago. He was picked to be one of the runners up, and they were talking when they were talking about Tony Larusa being one of those projected winners. So uh, I got to be quite honest with you, I haven't done a ton of research, Tommy, when it comes to the managers and who should be manager of the year. So I'm going to defer to you on these, but uh, I don't think there's any question that if uh, you know that uh, the the top two guys that you mentioned in both leagues are are going to be absolutely in the mix uh, regarding uh, who should be uh, the top managers in Major League Baseball, both in the American National League. Yeah, a lot of people are going to start writing me. Uh, Gabe Kapler for San Francisco. Look, listen, the Giants did a great job, and I got nothing against the Giants. I, I just yeah. don't like Gabe Kapler's managerial style, so I'm not giving him the award, although he's probably the front runner. All right, let's take a quick time out. We'll come back. We're going to talk a little bit more baseball, little things. What, what should we expect in the second half? What else has jumped out at Chris Wynn? for the first half, as well as me, and I want to talk about it. Jose Altuve, you basically admitted that you cheated today. Uh, just taking off your shirt like that and showing me that ridiculous tattoo. Come on now. We're going to talk about that and more all right after this on Heat Wave Sports. Sports. Here's Tom Barton. All right, guys, heading into home stretch here, final half hour here on Heatwave Sports. Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com. Chris Wynn is sitting in for Tim Unglesby. He's going to be back next week. We will be uh, talking all of the second half of Major League Baseball that's coming up, and we might have an NBA champion by that time. Uh, by the time next Sunday, maybe. I think this is going seven. We discussed that. I think it's going seven. I still think Milwaukee has a shot. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting here and I'm going, I think Milwaukee might have an edge. Yeah, I know they only won one game, but we'll see. 
I got to win in game four. I can tell you that. And I like the low spread, just initial reaction type stuff. I'd rather spend all day breaking that down than put a dollar on anything All-Star related. Don't bet on the All-Star game. Yeah. We are talking Major League Baseball here. Uh, Chris, you know, I, I tell everybody all the time, and look, you're you're a gambler. Uh, I get it. Um, you are a you're somebody that understands, you know, bankroll against fun money, right? Yeah. I tell everybody all the time. I go, look, if you want to go bet the All-Star game because you're sitting in a bar and you're like, hey, I'm going to throw five bucks on this guy. You know what? Trey Mancini's got a great story. Ah, I throw ten bucks on Trey Mancini. Don't include it with your gambling money. That is your sports betting money. I tell sports bettors all the time. I go, look, have a bankroll that you are considering your real money. That doesn't mean you can't go into the casino and go play blackjack. Or you can't go into the casino and go play slots for a little while or, or go play caveman kino, right? You can't. I'm not telling you not to do that. Just don't confuse it with your sportsbook money. That's your fun money. And that's why I look at the home run derby, the all-star game, anything that you kind of want to go down that path. Anything in that kind of realm, I go, look, just make it your fun money. Make it like your blackjack money. You want to go throw 20 bucks on it? Oh, look, I'm sitting at the bar. Why not have something to root for? That's fine. But don't try to take this too serious, guys, because it, 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 it's a home run derby, right? I mean, come on. It is a home run derby, but there's also, you know, what you're talking about regarding Major League Baseball and, uh, and regarding uh, disposable income is the way I like to describe it when coming when talking about betting certain things, right, Tommy? There are certain things that you study as someone who's a handicapper. There's certain things that, you know, other handicappers study regarding, you know, uh, regarding serious sports competition. And then there's other things that go on, okay? There are all-star games. There are Pro Bowls. There are hot dog eating contests. There are all these other <laughs> things that you can, you know, technically wager on. But there's no way that you can sit down and be analytical and study them and, you know, get all in depth and come out with a reasonable, rational, broken down, logical analysis of. Right. And so that's kind of what I throw things like all star games in, because especially like the NBA all star games, hilarious. Right. Because they put the line, usually the totals like, you know, three hundred and twenty <laughs> and it's, you know, and it's all about the props, right? It's all about, you know, what player can, you know, gets this many rebounds, what player scores this many points. That's really what it's all, you know, what you can bet each quarter. But, no, it, we really have no idea, okay? You have, really have no idea. It's very similar to betting spring training baseball, right? I, I find it mildly hilarious, to say the least, as someone who's been a sports talk host here in Las Vegas for the last 10 years plus, who has worked with handy, professional handicappers and done shows, with handicappers, and I, you know, I just, I just find it mildly comical. And none of them, mind you, none of them, Tommy, talk about betting spring training baseball because you can't. How no, are you betting on people? No. You know, who could be, you know, to steal the line from Major League, could be bagging groceries in a week. I mean, you can't, yes. you can't, you can't do it. So you can't line it up. So to me, that's the essence of what you know, betting All Star Games is and betting. You know these 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 certain sports esque scenarios, like the hot dog eating contest and others, uh, come into play when it comes to sports betting. It comes to handicapping. Yeah, I mean, look, and and I understand. I'm coming at it from a different perspective. Right. For 
you know, up until up until about two years ago when when we hit real big syndication uh, for for my company, you know, we went to hundred plus and and I, I had no other income except mm-hmm. for sports betting for a decade, a decade plus, right? So I look at it very, very analytical. And I get there are guys that are just going out there. And I, I said, listen, I buy scratch-offs for people for their birthday. Right? I'll do some scratch-offs. It, it, it doesn't mean that I'm sitting back and actually trying to make money on them. It would be nice, but I'm not going out there and buying 20 bucks worth of scratch-offs and going, all right, you know what? If I lose, I'm going to be upset. No, you know what? It's, it's for a little fun. But I do see people over the next four days, e- even getting into Thursday, where there's only one baseball game on, I see people start getting antsy. And they start going, oh, okay, you know what? Well, I'd normally be betting you know, a couple of thousand dollars a game anyway. So I might as well throw it down. Like, just take the time off, please. Please, this is my PSA. Take the time off. All right, well, Tommy, you saw it during the pandemic, right? I mean, we saw that, that oh, yeah. transpire. Where you had people betting stuff they have no idea about. Like, look, and by the way, full disclosure, uh, guilty as charged. I was one of those people, right? You're betting on things like sumo wrestling and ADO. soccer over in Costa Rica and table tennis in the Ukraine and in Russia. Like, you know, it's just it's just a nation. It's just an, an opportunity for you to, to kind of get some action down. But it's not as if you, you have some, you know, ultra educated a decision being made or anything like that. It's just an opportunity to get uh, a little bit of action going. <laughs> so let's let's talk about uh, Major League Baseball here real quick. Give me your your. You know, I'll give you mine and a, a piggyback right. on on my thoughts from the first half. First half to me, uh, the team that everyone should be talking about is the San Francisco Giants. What they're doing in that division is extraordinary. Buster Posey looks like he's uh, you know turn back the clock ten years. Guys like Kevin Gaussman leading the way. Uh, Logan Webb, you know, you got just players, Rogers closing it down, a side armor that's 30 years old, 30-year-old rookie. I think that the entire sports world should be looking at what San Francisco is doing and just embracing it. Look, it may not last, okay, but embrace that. Of course, we have Otani and Vlad. I think that that is absolutely a neck-and-neck story. Um, But I, I also have to look at the other side of things. If you're a sports gambler, you already know this, but the Arizona Diamondbacks, just destruction of how many losses in a row they've had on the road was, was I don't even want to say comical because it, it was sad to watch. But in the same vein, the Colorado Rockies are going into the All-Star game with nine away wins. Nine. That is pathetic. So you have good, you do have some bad. I think the Yankees have been a lot of the conversation. Uh, I've bashed them. I think they should be. They should fire Boone. They should have fired uh, Cashman. The team is poorly constructed. I had Michael Kay on the show two weeks ago. Even Michael Kay is saying, look, the team is, is poorly put together. Okay? Um, but at the end of the day, is the team three games over 500? They just took three, two or three against Houston and outplayed them even today. And and I, I think a lot of this summer, moving forward, Chris, like a lot of it's going to be with who makes the big move. So that's what I'm keeping my eye on. What about you? I've seen a couple of things that have been extremely interesting to me. Now, you talked about the San Francisco Giants. Look, this is kind of remarkable, to be quite honest with you, what's going on there in the Bay. They had this let the old guys play kind of mantra with these over 30 core. You mentioned, obviously, Buster Posey. They also have Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford. All three of those guys are still left on that team from the World Series dynasty years. 
you combine them with the likes of you know Donovan Solano and Mike Yastrzemski, and you mentioned Gosman, of course, and it's kind of led this mini resurgence there in San Francisco. Now you look at this Giants team; their average their average age is just under thirty years old, yet they haven't slowed down. We've been talking about you, myself, Tim, have been talking about how we've been waiting for this Giants team to slow down. We haven't seen it yet. They still lead the National League West. They're ahead of the Padres and the Dodgers and have been first place most of the season. This is uh, kind of remarkable because you're talking about, you know, a general manager, Scott Harris, and a team president that have, you know, bolstered the pitching staff there. They've improved, you know, the prospect pool after, you know, uh, previous regimes there were forced to, you know, they, they had to get rid of some of their guys. And they've kind of made this kind of astounding transition into a win-now mode, which we didn't think the Giants were going to do. Now, you talked about, you know, uh, I don't know if you mentioned, you didn't mention the Red Sox, though. Mentioned this is a team that, uh, you know, uh, wasn't really much expected for Boston to start this season. You had the return of Alex Cora, obviously, and they played some entertaining baseball. They have, look, defensively, they're not the most flashiest. They're not, you know, but they're proficient enough, and their starting pitching can be streaky at times. And I think this is something that they're, they're going to look to shore up at the deadline. If they can Gets, they can shore their pitching up a little bit, and, uh, you know, their bullpen, they can keep their bullpen from getting overtaxed. You know, they picked up, obviously, out of Eno from the Yankees and also Garrett Whitlock, but you, you want to be in a situation where you're not just, especially here in the middle of the season, you're just overusing this bullpen because it can hurt you later on down the line. You talked about disappointments. Minnesota Twins. I mean, come on now, right? You got Byron Buxton on the injured list for the second time this year. The, but, but uh, you know, they're, they're a team that can score runs. But the pitching has just been atrocious as far as going deep into games. There are relievers up there in the Twin Cities. They can't hold runners. Their ERA with runners on base is like almost nine. And this is one of the teams, Tommy, that was a favorite to come out of the American League Central. And now they may end up having to, you know, trade somebody like Barreos or somebody, you know, to get something out of the season. So... The Twins, to me, have been a massive disappointment. And, of course, you mentioned uh, the New York Yankees, right? The New York Yankees, this is a team, obviously, that, uh, you know, were World Series favorites right behind the Dodgers. You know, they got, you know, a lineup full of, you know, just bombers all over the place. But they haven't been great on the base paths. They're not very good defensively. And, you know, outside of Garrett Cole, that, that, pit, that starting pitching depth just isn't great. But uh, the bullpen has been good, but not great. And again, that bullpen I think has been overtaxed at times. So look, I, I I get it. Brian Cashman's one of those guys who's been looking for training partners, and uh, nothing has seemed to have materialized. You look at this American League East; it's very deep this year, which I didn't think we expected some of these teams to be there that are. And uh, and the fact of the matter is, the Yankees are in danger of missing the playoffs. So I think that's a big surprise to me. And I'll also toss in there, you know, everything that's gone down regarding the uh, doctoring of the baseballs and, you know, the whole narrative that's been put place. You've got, you know, Commissioner Rob Manfred basically forced to take action, I guess, because he overreacted by banning things like sunscreen and forcing and he's enforcing these ridiculous umpire checks. You know, I, they, look, they had this, you know, they instituted this policy after two months of data collection and it's including, you know, balls being checked by a third party. And, but it's almost become a mockery, right, Tommy? It's almost become a situation where pitchers are just mocking it. And it's just, you know, 
and there really hasn't been, and nothing's really materialized, right? It hasn't been a situation where we started to just catch a bunch of pitchers that are cheating. So it did. I I think it has not worked out the way that Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred wanted it to work out, and we'll see exactly how they they do going going forward regarding this issue. But to me, those are kind of the hot points so far here in the 2021 Major League Baseball season. So real quick, I, I know we only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, where do you see Trevor Story winding up? Because I think it, we're all, all on Trevor Story watch. I think they didn't want to trade him before the All Star break, right? The game is mm-hmm. now in Colorado, as stupid as a decision that, that that's ever been in sports to move the game. But it is in Colorado. He is in the home run derby. He's the guy. They couldn't trade him before that. I, I think days afterwards they're going to be a lot more receptive. And he might he might be traded uh, before the end of the weekend, right, before the weekend is out. Um, but what, where do you see him going? Is It seems like it's Oakland or bust, and the teams are kind of falling by the wayside. I just have a weird feeling that Oakland might not be the team. Yeah, I, I I'm kind of interested when I hear that because I, you know, I have not been, uh, you know, lined up as far as Trevor Story and the possible landing spots for him. Immediately, I just think about in the division, and I don't know. Look, I, I get it. I mean, it's it's Colorado is in the National League West, but how does how do the Dodgers or the Padres not make a run at the guy? You know what I mean? Like, how do they not, if they want to get to the next level or to kind of, you know, even even solidify their position of getting, you know, getting up, getting up to a world championship level or maintaining that world championship level, of course, if you're the case of the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, how are those two teams not in the mix? You know what I mean? Like, how are they not two of the teams that are thought about there? So I mean, because I, because immediately when you tell me right now that, that Oakland's the main prime landing spot, why? I mean, why is, why is, you know. Why would the Oakland A's be a team that Trevor Story like? Is, are the is he a guy that puts the A's seriously into the mix in the American League to to win the American League pennant if he goes there? I mean, I don't know if that's the case, but perhaps I Tom, you can hearing, I, that, I, 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 I just, because because El, Elvis Andrews is just a disaster. Uh, you know, that's kind of yeah. why. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at this and I'm going. San Francisco makes too much sense if they really believe they're gunning for it. The Cardinals have a big-time need there. And even the Phillies, I know they get Gregorius. He has been a very big disappointment right now. And I know everyone wants to talk to Yankees. Listen, I talked to Brian Hoke, Major League Baseball writer, two year, two weeks ago. Um, he did not think that Trevor Story is coming to New York. Michael Kay, everybody knows, you know, the Yankee broadcaster knows about the Yankees more than anybody. Michael told me he didn't believe that Trevor Story is going to the Yankees. So I, I think it's uh, between a few teams. I just have a weird feeling he's not going to Oakland. All right, Chris, outstanding. I love to have you on. We, we will be doing more shows together. Uh, guys, go check out Chris Wynn. Chris, go tell me, where, where can they check you out? Yeah, you can find me all over the place. I'm on Twitter, at Christian Wynn, talking sports left and right. Get a chance to contribute on Las Vegas Sports Radio across the board, whether it's right here on Fox Sports Radio here in Las Vegas or on some other stations as well, too. You can also find me on Instagram at CWIN77. All the youngsters out there, you know what I'm talking about. They're all over the they're all over the gram, Tommy, and they're doing that up. And you can also find me at Facebook at Chris W. Wynn, talking everything across the board, whether it's Vegas-related sports or outside of Vegas, obviously, when you're talking about the NBA Finals and Major League Baseball going on right now. So those are the spots that you can find me. And always a great time, Tommy, getting a chance to jump on with you 
along with Tim Unglesby and DeMond as well, too, on a Sunday night. All right, guys. Thank you. You guys can check me out always at TomBartonSports.com. Absolutely crushing, crushing this year. Hockey was the best best season I've ever had. And now Major League Baseball, over 60%. Hey, I'll take it all the time. How about a June where we were over 75%? TomBartonSports.com. Want to check out those interviews? Go check out Wagering Week as the podcast. Hashtag SGN if you want to hit us up over on Twitter, SportsGarten, G-A-R-T-E-N. And Jay Paris was on the show this morning. Josh Taylor talking a little Pittsburgh Steelers as well. And some interesting insight for you guys wanting to make a little prop play. Me and Josh found a golden prop play uh, that we absolutely love for football. Never too early to start talking about that. For Damon Cotton, Tim Unglesby, Chris Wynn, I'm Tom Barden. Have a good night, everybody.